I'll just say what's the latest or something like that. Okay. This is the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Prime Social Club and Inside Edge, with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Sean Bajani. All right, welcome into the Houston Football Show. I'm Sean Bajani from Sports Radio 610, joined as always by NFL insider Aaron Wilson, who covers the Texans for KPRC Local 2. Coming up, we've got a lot of stuff that we need to get into in terms of the Texans quarterback duo, that unconventional Mills and Driscoll combination that we saw this past weekend. We will certainly talk plenty about that. Damian Pierce, the uh, reuniting with Justin Reed this weekend, amongst other things. But, hey, Aaron, let's get it from the uh, top here. Um, do you have anything um, in terms of the latest you can share with us, what you've learned, how the Texans are going to proceed with the uh, quarterbacks going forward? Yes, absolutely. I uh, reported this uh, about, I would say, yeah, 6.52. Uh, Jeff Driscoll has been signed to the active roster, 53-man. So the two-quarterback system remains alive. Going forward with it, yes, effective against the Dallas Cowboys. I know they didn't get the victory, but Jeff Driscoll played some really good football. So did Davis Mills, and good collaboration with those guys. And that was the one thing that really stuck out to me after the game is that Davis, just like Jeff, they both want to win, and they were working together. They have a you know friendship and good teamwork. I thought that you know they were helping each other out, and it's you know. An interesting situation when you do that. It is unconventional, like you said, Sean. It's different, but you know what do they have to lose? They're one eleven and one, so why not throw caution to the wind and do that? They cut Eno Benjamin earlier today, put him on waivers. He was unhappy with his playing time and wasn't that productive. He had three carries, one yard against the Cowboys. And there's some other big news we'll get to. But, yeah, let, let's talk Driscoll. We'll, we'll talk about Damian Pierce in a little bit. But uh, that, that's probably even the bigger news of the day. But you know, let's let's break down this Driscoll thing. And I really feel like that was the right move. They needed to stick yeah. with this. It's one of the more positive things that's probably happened the entire season. They're up against the Dallas Cowboys, and they played some good football. And the offense looked much better than it has. I don't know if they can keep this up, but – I think it's worth a try. So why not roll with it? 100%. You know, Mills and Driscoll, that duo, Aaron, they split the 64 offensive snaps. Literally, they each got 32 snaps in that ball game. And I, I thought the offense functioned about as well as it had all season long. Um, you know, there have been a couple of games this year. I think uh, the Chargers, maybe the Raiders game, another one where the offense – um, you know, kind of found a little bit of mojo and was able to move the ball. We didn't see a ton of three and outs. They had three possessions where they went three and out against the Cowboys, but um, it didn't feel um, as anemic as it had before because defensively the Texans were able to get pressure on Dak and do some things there um, to keep them in the ball games. Obviously the turnovers, the two Tremont Smith um, interceptions and uh, special teams continue to play well. 
But in terms of this Mills-Driscoll combination, I just thought it was like a no-brainer. You know, now granted, do we see against Kansas City uh, the similar, you know, split in snaps? I, I'd anticipate the Texans using a little bit more sparingly this uh, Driscoll package, if you will, against the Chiefs. But I could be wrong. I just think it's probably going to tend or trend rather toward a more strategic type of game plan. How do you see it breaking down going forward? Right. I don't know yet. And, you know, I don't want to completely forecast their game plan, uh, you know, without having any knowledge and uh, then probably, you know, just kind of leave them some, I guess, I don't know about element of surprise, but, you know, some gamesmanship. Uh, I just know that he's going to play. And based on what they did this past game, I bet it's similar. I don't know if it'll be exactly 50 50 mm-hmm. this time. And it's kind of funny how they, they're able to, it wasn't like they count the snaps, like you have to play this many, he has to play this right. many. It just worked out that way. Mm-hmm. But I think they're pretty committed to it and it works. So, you know, there were a couple of times where they broke tendencies, like Davis ran and Jeff passed when people expected them to do the opposite. And I think they've got to keep that going. Biggest thing, though, is, you know, they're they're going to have to throw the football very well against the Kansas City Chiefs, and <clears throat> they've got the right pass protection, I'll tell you that. Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard, they just shut out Micah Parsons and those guys. Yeah, They have a lot of sack in a couple of games. If there's anything you can say about this team, they've got two good tackles. That's a great tackle tandem. There's no question about that. Um, you know, one guy that they're not going to have going forward um, offensively, at least over the course of the next couple of weeks, presumptively, is Damian Pierce. I, j- I just wonder how effective that duo is going to be without the likes of a Damian Pierce. That means more carries uh, for Dari Gumbawale, uh, more carries from Rex Burkhead, uh, I would assume anyway. And the reason why I kind of say like, I wonder if it's going to be as effective as we saw against the Cowboys. One, the element of surprise isn't going to be there against the Chiefs and other teams as it was with the Cowboys because nobody really anticipated the Texans doing this sort of thing, and you couldn't game plan for it. But then two, you know, I really thought it worked well, Aaron, with Driscoll going in there and showing the willingness to, you know, employ the read option. I don't think it was initially – the case when Driscoll first went in there, I don't think he was reading anything. I thought it was a show and I thought it was um, just a straight handoff type of situation with Pierce or whoever with the back was at the particular time. But I think they saw that, Hey, this could be a thing. You know, the ends are biting down. Let's see if we can add this wrinkle in here. And that was a, probably a pretty good in-game adjustment just based off of what I was watching and then rewatching it. Um, I wonder how effective that's going to be with Pierce. What do you think going forward? Well, you know, the zone read, and the, all those read option plays that Jeff Driscoll runs, they were in the offense anyway. He had run for a pair of first downs earlier in the season, and that's just something he's really good at. You know, he was running so fast that he outran the Micah Parsons around the edge. Micah's supposed yeah. to be a 4-3 guy, high 4-3, but uh, Jeff Driscoll way back – when he's playing for the Florida Gators and then Louisiana Tech, ran a four four six. Uh, his official time, I believe, is mid four five, but he ran for some scouts high four fours. Mm-hmm. And I think he can still run that fast. He looks really fast to me for a big guy. He's six four two thirty five, really good athlete. Uh, let's 
get into Damian Pierce. Damian uh, reported uh, very early this morning around uh, I think 4 a.m. hour. We posted it, but Damian is out for this game, probably out for two games, could be three games, and then they might have a decision to make. Does it make any sense for him to play in the final game and try to get the 1,000 yards, obviously, because he's close. He's in 900 yards and change. So deal is this. He has a high ankle sprain, which normally is four to six weeks. Yeah, That's not true for every high ankle sprain, just like there's more severe low ankle sprains. There are more severe high ankle sprains than what he has, and there's a chance that he could play in a week or two. But he will not play against the Chiefs. So, yeah, that I'm very confident of, that he will not play against Kansas City, and it's possible he doesn't play against the Titans. So we'll see what happens. It's unfortunate. You know, at one point he was Offensive Rookie of the Year leader, and – I think he'll still get a lot of votes and some consideration. You know, hopefully, you know, he gets to the thousand yards. But you know, there's Chris Olave, there's Garrett Wilson, uh, there's Kenneth Walker, so there's some other candidates. But uh, I think he's had an outstanding season. He's vital to this offense, and without him, just not the same. They don't have anyone that's a hammer like him that has so much balance and breakaway speed. He is the total package as a running back. There's nothing that Damian Pierce can't do, and it's going to be. Not as fun to watch the Texans, in my opinion, without him. So they're going to have to throw the football out more. And we can get into this some more, but Chris Moore and Amari Rogers look pretty darn good in place of Brandon Cooks. I expect yeah. Brandon Cooks to miss this game yeah. again. I don't know if Nico Collins is going to be able to play. So it may look very similar with the exception of Pierce in terms of offensive personnel. And it'll be tough. You know, we can get into some Patrick Mahomes versus their defense stuff too. But yeah, without Damian. They've lost their best offensive player that's not named Laramie Thompson. 100%. 100%. Aaron Wilson, NFL insider. Uh, let's take a minute here to recognize our friends at Houston's longest standing poker club before we get a little bit deeper into this weekend's upcoming matchup against the Chiefs. Uh, Houston's longest standing poker club, it's Prime Social. They're located at 7801 West Timer. They've got a great reputation for taking care of their patrons with class and quality. And they want you to be a part of it. It's not just a poker room. It's a place to hang with the boys, get a great meal, drink. they got a fully stocked bar, pool tables, all kinds of games, and dozens of poker tables. That's what it's all about. It's Prime Social Poker Club. It's got over 21,000 members, and you can become one today for just $10. That's what it costs to get you in for a lifetime membership. Ten bucks. Once you join up, you can take part in daily and nightly tournaments, buy-ins, uh, range from sixty to five thousand dollars. It's guaranteed prize money with pots as high as two million dollars. It's serious cash from Houston's best and first class poker club. Open daily, twenty four seven. They'll take care of you. Free play every day, ten to one. Happy hour every day, four to nine. Located at seventy eight hundred one West Timer. It's Prime Social Poker Club. So let's get a little bit into the matchup upcoming this weekend because. We, we know just how good Patrick Mahomes is, even when he's not at his best. Three interceptions this past week, still through for 352 yards, and I think three more touchdowns, Aaron. Um, the question that I think that is at the forefront of everybody's mind looking at this game is, oh my gosh, just how bad is Patrick Mahomes going to carve these guys up? Well, at, let's, let's talk this through, because that was the conversation that people were having for six days leading into the Cowboys game. 
it's it's just been very interesting to me that as many holes as this team has um, on offense and defense, Aaron, they've been able, for the most part, to find a way to muck up the game enough and stay in it long enough to, I guess, keep it interesting uh, for a bit. Do you see that being the case this weekend against Kansas City, or is there just way too much firepower on that Chiefs offense uh, as they go against this Levy Smith defense? Aaron, are you there? Oh, maybe he got a call. Uh, this is not uh, untypical of Aaron. Sometimes he gets important calls during the show with um, breaking news, so we'll let him definitely deal with that. But I'll go ahead and start discussing the question that I asked for Aaron, and I, I just I, I think it's too easy. They opened the line. The, the line is 14 points in this game. Opened yesterday, okay? Uh, 14 points. Chiefs are favored, and I think the Texans and Cowboys lined open at around the same. Maybe it was 17 points. I think it was 17 points, and maybe it fluctuated between 16 and a half and 17 leading up to uh, kickoff this past weekend. Um, and I'm not a huge, huge fan of going the uh, over in that situation and you know giving the points to the favorite, but it's hard when you're looking at this Chiefs ball club that I've been ready and waiting like probably so many of you for them to just really put their head down and get to work. And the final month of the season is right around the time where we are used to seeing Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and this Kansas City Chiefs squad, you know, really start putting things together. And this is a get right game, I think, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs and you're looking at this Lovey Smith defense with this type of zone that they play, a lot of cover two, they can really pick and just get up and down the field on the Texans with their intermediate throwing. And Patrick Mahomes is so darn good at that. And look, the Texans have had their uh, share of mobile quarterbacks. You know, um, they faced Justin Herbert this season. And obviously, you know what he did to them. Uh, that was one of the more entertaining Texan games uh, earlier this year. I think it was week three, week four, something like that. Um, and the Texans, look, they've, they've been battle-tested. They kind of know you know, how to, uh, or at least what to expect when dealing with a more mobile quarterback, but it's Patrick Mahomes. This is a different guy. I mean, not just what he's able to do with his legs, but the ability to extend plays and then just get rid of the ball in just uncanny, quirky, unconventional ways. Again, like we saw this past weekend, it's just phenomenal what he's able to do. And, you know, we don't know if Derek Stingley is going to be back, I, I tend to believe that if you're talking about, you know, guys that are hurt that have been injured the last couple of weeks, if it's Derek Stingley or Nico Collins, Nico Collins, at least out of the mouth of Lovey Smith this past week, who he deemed limited, even though the injury report said otherwise, he was off to the side throwing dressed where Stingley wasn't even to be seen. And he was also dealing with the illness this past week. I kind of side with Nico Collins being available, but he didn't play corner. He didn't play safety. And that's going to be kind of a tough go against a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Um, yep, sure. Yeah, um, I'm happy to do some injury updates, uh, what I know at this mm -hmm. point with yeah. everyone, where it stands. Yeah, there's a chance that Derek Stingley doesn't play this game again. He hasn't been able to practice, and they're 
probably going to have a because he's missed this much time. They'll have to have a whole ramp up week mm-hmm. before he could play. The progress has been they think he can move well enough to be on the sideline now and not have to worry about people running into him. Like he can move well enough to not have to be up in the press box. That doesn't sound very promising. Uh, Brandon Cooks will not play in this game. There's a chance Brandon Cooks doesn't play again this year, but that hasn't been determined. And so he will not play. I don't think Nico Collins is that close. I think it's a long shot that he plays. I think they'll play with the same wide receivers they used last week. Philip Dorsett, Amari Rogers, Chris Moore had a huge game with 10 catches, 124 yards on 11 targets. And then, you know, we talked about Damian Pierce. Damian Pierce, you know, will not play in this game. Will miss likely more than one game. And then, you know, I think Kenya Green's ankle is a question mark. Yeah. And Justin McCray had a hamstring injury. There's some chance he could be available with <clears throat> the other injuries. Steven Nelson is now you know, a possibility to be out. He wasn't able to go back in the game. So they've got three new ankle injuries and it could sideline all three of those guys against the chiefs. And so that leaves you with Tremont Smith and Desmond King and Tavier Thomas as your primary corners against Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, I worry a lot for them about how they'll stop Travis Kelsey. Yeah. I think it's one of the biggest matchup problems they're going to have. 100%. Mahomes, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, deep threat. It's going to be very challenging. The more promising things going on with the defense are that they continue to cover pretty well. They're getting some takeaways. And Jalen Petrie, I really yeah, I want to talk about him. Jalen played his best football game since they drafted him. The interceptions against the Chicago Bears notwithstanding, this was his best overall game for tackling, recognition, coverage, everything he did. He earned a lot of respect. You saw the way CeeDee Lamb was talking to him after he stuck CD. Mm-hmm. Gave him a high five. I mean, very rarely do you see an opponent congratulate the defensive player. Like, good hit, man. And I saw him on that tackle on Ezekiel Elliott. Tripped up Ezekiel. Ezekiel's got a great nose for the end zone. That was an outstanding tackle. Torpedoes him. Brings him down. I just thought he played perfect football, really. You look at you know the shoulder hits he delivers, the pop he has, the sound tackling, and how rangy he is at free safety. He made a lot of good decisions against a really outstanding quarterback who wasn't having a good game in Dak Prescott. Uh, kudos to Jalen Petrie. And I think he's got to build off this game, but that's what they hoped for when they drafted him. And that's what we were seeing in the preseason. This is the best football I've seen from him since he played at Baylor. So this is really promising. And we talk about development a lot because that's most of what you have to talk about when you're covering a one eleven and one team. Yes. Jalen Petrie, that, that was excellent. Oba Akaranko playing really good football since they made him a starting defensive end. Yeah. A Leaf Taylor graduate, Oklahoma guy. And his son, after he was a free agent from the Rams, and I think he's earning uh, another year here at least. I think he's done a really good job as a starting defensive end. And yeah, I mean, eventually you get Jonathan Grenard back. That's the question because Grenard had the week of practice. He might be someone they can get back this week. There's a chance mm-hmm. that they could get Grenard back, but that would add to what they have with 
know, Jerry Hughes and Oboe as their top three defensive ends. So we'll see if he's able to do more in practice this week. But, yeah, he's feeling pretty good. I think the fact they let him talk to the media was a good sign that he's getting close. So we'll see if he's activated from IR designated for return. Yeah. They get Grenard back. He's one of their better defensive players. But, you know, it's still going to be a tough matchup, and they're not going to scare a whole lot of people with the running game, in my opinion, without Damian Pierce. But, we, you know, ground we've covered, and I think it'll be a theme the whole week. You know, what are they going to do? And no you know, Rex Burkhead obviously didn't, you know, institute a lot of confidence. Looked like he went the wrong way. That's what I'm hearing. That he went the wrong way on that option play. Yeah. Uh, normally, you know, I, I don't know how much they got to practice that. If that's something they work on, probably not. I think it's probably something they run a couple times in practice. And you're trying to run 18 option right against the Dallas Cowboys. Play looked like it was set up to work, Sean, before the timeout. Cowboys call timeout. They stay in that play. They don't audible. And there's just too many people. He reversed pivots, tries to get up the field, gets a yard, and had nowhere to run. And they didn't have any answers for Neville Gallimore the whole day. They couldn't block him. And I think a lot of people can't block him. Yeah, it was just one of those, uh, you know, more egregious type of mistakes that you can't make. Good teams don't make those mistakes. You know, good veteran running backs don't make those mistakes. If, in fact, it was Rex that was going the wrong direction there. I mean, especially out of a timeout. I mean, that's just. There were some other guys lined up wrong, too. Yeah, on that play. It looked like Brevin Jordan's lineman was bad there in those final downs. And Kenya Green gets beat again. Uh, he had a rough game. There was some, there was some serious breakdowns. Uh, Levy Smith wouldn't detail them. Uh, heard a little bit about what happened. And, yeah, I mean, some of this is the chaotic nature of trying to run some new plays and you know, just some things not going as smoothly, smoothly as they should. And that's why they're in that situation. That said, the defense has got to be better. They got to get off the field. Like Millie Collins was saying today, mm-hmm. they got to stop it. You know, they march 98 yards on you. They march yes. 98 yards and you don't deserve to win the game. 100%. 100%. And it was, you know, he made a point to say, well, hey, look, you know, never mind the pressures. How many sacks did we get? It was one, right? They got one sack. And it's something, obviously, that that defensive front needs more of. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Uh, in relation to the matchup this upcoming weekend against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. But first, a minute from our sponsors, title sponsor, in particular, Prime Social and Inside Edge. That's first. Come out and enjoy Houston's longest standing poker room with a stellar reputation for class and quality Prime Social Poker Club. At Prime, you'll enjoy an upscale social environment, fully stocked bar, gourmet dining, pool tables, dozens of poker tables, and many other fun games throughout the venue. You can also join their over 21,000 members with a lifetime membership for only $10. What are you waiting for? Get into the game. Come join us at Prime Social Poker Club. Inside Edge was founded over 30 years ago as a data and analytics provider for Major League Baseball clubs. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, then you know Inside Edge. 
They were part of the data and analytics revolution in professional sports. Fans can now have access to the same insights and analytics used by pro teams for free at MyInsideEdge.com. MyInsideEdge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can find matchups, specific insights, and projections to help make informed betting and fantasy decisions. Again, that's MyInsideEdge.com. Welcome back. It's the Houston Football Show. Sean Bajani and NFL insider Aaron Wilson. Um, Aaron, you made mention of Obo Okoronkwo uh, moments ago, and I, I thought over the course of the last couple of weeks that he's probably played his best football, in particular against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. He looked just as good as he did during the preseason when he was flying around all over the place, you know, involved in almost every play in the backfield on the regular he was a lot of fun to watch in the preseason, and I thought took another huge step um, this past weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. Got me thinking. You know, Okoronkwo, who you think should uh, warrant another year with this organization as they move into the next phase, who are some other guys that you think could and should move into the next phase of this rebuild for the Houston Texans, which – I'm anticipating taking a pretty significant step next year, presumably because they will have a franchise quarterback and they will have a lot of new faces on this coaching staff, particularly a new head coach. But um, who are some players that you foresee going forward with this organization into next year and beyond? Yes, yeah, Sean, great question. There, I have a little bit of recency bias, uh, as they say, but Chris Moore, uh, Chris, definitely for special teams, and you would like to have a guy like that as your reserve receiver. I think that he is worth bringing back. And then you look at some other guys, you think about, you know, many of them are already under contract, so I, I won't list every single player that's already here, like the Steve Nelsons, the Jerry Hughes, the Laramie Tunsils. Obviously, they all sh should all be back. But I'm talking more about guys with expiring contracts mm -hmm. that – need an extension. So Abakaranko is one of them. And then, you know, when I look over on, you know, the offensive side of the ball, Jordan Akins is someone that, you know, would make some sense to bring back. I, I think that Jordan had a really good year. You just have to consider his age. He's going to be 30. So do you want to have Jordan back? You know, he hasn't played a lot of football because he was in the minor leagues with the Texas Rangers. So, He's a little older than you know he would be normally at this stage of his NFL career in terms of experience, but I thought Jordan's played very well. I mean, Jordan's uh, pretty special after the catch. Yes, I think he's an outstanding athlete. I think you know Dare is someone that I would think about bringing back. I, I would think about Jeff Driscoll uh, about having him back on the roster in some capacity. And that, that's someone you know he may get some some interest. I think he's elongated his career by the way he played in the Dallas game as long as he. You know, finishes the year that way, whatever playing time he gets mm -hmm. the rest of the way. And then you look at, you know, extension candidates. And I named a couple of them, you know, like Steven Nelson, Larry Tunsil, these guys that have expiring deals like Oba Karanko. Uh, yeah, there are a couple that jump out to me. Uh, I think they're going to need to get, you know, think long and hard about – how do they address the center position? You know, Scott Cousinbury, it wasn't like he was bad. He was solid. He was okay. Sometimes he wasn't. Uh, when they played elite defensive linemen like the Titans and the Commanders, he struggled. 
uh, saw some other games where I thought he played pretty good. Uh, and uh, I look at like, you know, Tavier Thomas, that's another one. That's someone that I think is going to be on their list uh, for someone they'd like to have back. I know that the injury, you know, did affect his season, but when healthy, he's someone that plays a lot of good football. They just have to make sure that they're aiming high enough though. You know, can you get someone better? You know, yeah. You, if you come back with the same, roughly the same core, three years in a row when you've won at this point five games in the Nick Casario era, you know, that's the definition of folly. But some of these guys, I got to think, are keepers. And to be honest, are they going to win next year? I don't know. It doesn't look like they will be. But I got to think that they're going to have to aim a little higher. And there'll be a lot of rookies playing again next year. That will, you know, yeah. be another thing they'll do. And you know, it'll have to be a coach that's good at coaching young players, whoever it is, if it's Lovey Smith or if it's someone else. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a great question. And I, I think we we would all anticipate them winning certainly more games next year than they did this year. But I also look at the games that they had opportunities to win and the reasons why they did not make uh, the personnel decisions within those games, the better play calls, uh, better decisions, things like that. I mean, it's all very subjective. Um, certainly, in a, in the first month, that's when I think we saw most of those um, sort sort of high leverage, you know, decisions, and uh, you know, have have a lot of doubts, and it was kind of shaky on shaky ground, but. I mean, I would anticipate, I mean, this team being in the mix to win, you know, seven or eight games next year, to be quite honest with you, just based on the games that they could have um, tied or won, you know, earlier this season. But, you know, we were talking two weeks ago ahead of the Deshaun Watson game when he came back with the Cleveland Browns. There were like eight players on this Texans roster, Aaron, that actually were here when Deshaun was here. Eight! Eight guys. And so to talk about the roster turnover, there's certainly going to be plenty more of that. And just off the top of my head, guys that I'm actually impressed with that aren't necessarily on expiring deals or aren't like obvious returners because they're rookies or going to be entering their second year or third year with this ball club. I counted 25 guys, and you mentioned two more, and Tavier Thomas and Darian Gumbawale that did not make my list. But that's about a quarter of – you know, the 75 players that have been in and out a part of the active roster over the course of this season, Aaron, that I think should be back and should get a really good look and could be impact players again um, for this Texans team next season that moves into the next phase with a franchise quarterback and presumptively a new face um, of this organization in terms of a head coach and its staff. I think it's going to be difficult to make them that competitive that fast. It will take a light stop performance at quarterback. That's the thing. You know, that's the big unknown of the offseason is are they going to draft <clears throat> Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or someone else? The highest graded football player would be Jalen Carter, I think, the Georgia defensive tackle. But yeah, they've got some decisions to make. And yeah, Nick Casarios have a lot of heavy lifting to do. But I think he's got the draft capital. He's got the money. So he's just got to make decisions and sound decisions. And he needs to have 
you know, people around him like Ronnie McGill and James Lipford and remember the coaches giving him that advice, but you know, mm-hmm. he's pretty good at this and he's done some things. The record isn't what it should be, but I, I kind of can see, you see a level of competence and a strategy and a plan with his roster building and I've, you know, charted all the roster moves he's been making and, mm-hmm. you know, like any GM, some work and some don't, but you can see the logic for the shots he's taken and what he's been trying to do. I don't worry. I know he's taking some heat on sports talk radio. I look at it differently. I don't expect answers. I don't expect interviews. I don't expect a lot. I just expect them to do their job. I covered the Ravens and Ozzie Newsom very rarely talked during the season. He had, you know, really early when I was covering them during the Brian Billick era, he would make himself available a little bit. If you had a special request uh, for specific questions, you would ask. He's good about that. Once Steve Bishotti bought the team from our model, he became a lot more behind the scenes. And, you know, we would talk to Ozzy just, you know, in conversation, but didn't do a lot of interviews. So, you know, I would say he's a little more open than say like, you know, Nick, but you know, Nick comes from New England. This is the way he's going to operate. But yeah, when I see him get criticized for, well, I don't like the way he answered this question or however he was on, you know, 610, I just think that's a lot of it's just talk show, sports talk show fodder. Yeah, I just like to stick with the relevant like performance, mm-hmm. like what's the plan? What did they, what were they trying to do? Did they execute it? You know, do you see a skill set? Those sorts of things more so than did he tell us about it, explain it, give you the answer you want? I mean, you'll never really be satisfied covering NFL teams in general with, you know, the answers you get. But yeah, that's not what it's about. So, you know, you're not covering Mike Leach, you know, the, and condolences yeah. to him and his family. But, you know, yeah. that guy was hilarious. He gave you a story every time, you know, obviously to every reporter that covered him. I got to interview him before, and you know he's a really, really, really nice guy. And met him at the Senior Bowl, and he's a really colorful character, obviously. But yeah, I would say that's not what we're covering here. It's it's a little different than that. So, hundred percent. And it's been a good locker room, good guys to talk with. They've been exceedingly professional and polite. I think the press has been too, for the most part. You know, and how we deal with these grown men, and you know, talking to them about. You know what they're trying to do out there, but uh, I mean, for one eleven and one team, because I have people ask me this, well, what's it like? I said, well, they hate losing; it's frustrating for them, but they don't take it out on you know, like the questioners or the fans. I mean, they're just yeah, the guys have been really above board. But yeah, I, I wanted to say that because I I feel that way uh, the way they are after losses, not telling you, you know, I don't want to talk. Uh, that's only happened. I would say less than five times this season with me where I asked for an interview and the player was like, I don't want to do it. And even when they said no, it wasn't impolite. Like yeah. John Petrie after one of the games, one of the rougher games he had, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, he didn't want to talk. That, that was fine. Actually, it was after the Giants game when he allowed a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then he was talking, the, you know, a few days later, he was talking about it. He was accountable. But yeah. yeah I, I definitely I, feel that way. I think it's a great point that you make about – uh, the player relations, you know, with the media this season. I mean, since day one, I'd felt like, hey, you know, this is a great group of guys. You know, they're all 
uh, really personable for the most part. And I didn't think it was going to be an issue talking to him at all throughout the course of the season. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, now this team is 111 and one, you know, the attitude from the players has been really impressive um, for me. I mean, I've covered some good teams here in Houston, you know, with, uh, aspirations to not just make the playoffs, but to make a little noise in the playoffs. And I'd seen players uh, handle and coaches themselves themselves way differently and um, way more attitudinal. I'll give you that um, to put it one way more than I'd seen, you know, players at any point in time handle themselves or certain questions or members of the media at any point in time this season. So I've been really impressed um, with that. We'll take a minute here for our friends at Inside Edge. They've been founded uh, for over 30 years ago as a data and analytics provider for Major League Baseball clubs. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, you know Inside Edge. Fans can now access the same insights and analytics used by professional teams for absolutely free at MyInsideEdge.com. That's MyInsideEdge.com. It's a destination for sports bettors, daily fantasy players, where you can find matchup-specific insights and projections to help make informed betting and fantasy decisions. Who doesn't want that? And it's awesome because anyone can access the insights for absolutely free. The best part is they're five-star game picks. They had a 71% success rate last season alone, 34-14 and 14 against the spread. You can get that information today. Just subscribe and use the code HOUSTON. It's in all caps, HOUSTON. In all caps, you'll receive 10% off your subscription. It's my inside edge. Aaron, before we get out of here, top Texans and Chiefs storylines for you. Justin Reed's got to be number one. <laughs> it's not my number one, but it's an interesting one. Uh, like Justin a lot. It was great covering him. And Justin signed a big free agent deal with the Chiefs. Uh, he's had his moments. He's had some other tougher moments. Uh, he stuck his foot in his mouth a little bit before the Bengals game. Bengals obviously were gunning for him. Stiff-armed him in the, in the face a couple times. and mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, it was, it was a rough game for him. And I think that Generally, Justin, you know, plays well, but no, that that's not one because I never expected him to come back. There was no real negotiation, right? It's just a deal where, you know, he's leaving and he's going to sign, you know, the franchise and get paid. So that's what happened with him. I'm more about how do they defend Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and how do they replace Stephen Pierce? And do they use the two-quarterback system as much and as effectively as they did against the Dallas Cowboys? So uh, those are my – that's my short list. What's yours? Uh, well, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, really good. Uh, how's he going to carve up the Texans Sunday? That's that's obviously my storyline. I mean, the first question I had was tongue-in-cheek, obviously. Justin Reed, it is the uh, first game against the former Texans. So I will be interested to see that. Um, Chiefs opening as 14-point favorites against the Texans. Uh, Houston, 3-1 and one against the spread, I think, coming into this game. Um, you know, when when they've been favored above or underdogs by 10 or more. So I think that's going to be kind of an interesting little follow. We'll see how that line fluctuates. I think the Cowboys opened as 17-point favorites last week. Maybe it was 16-and-a-half going into kickoff on Sunday. I'm not sure. I can't remember. Um, but look, yeah, it's Mahomes, it's Kelsey, it's this offense against the Texans defense. And obviously what did the Texans look like with this quarterback duo minus Damian Pierce going forward? Because I think that's a huge factor in it. I just really wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit more Davis Mills, um, by himself this game against Kansas city. 
Um, just I think the Damian Pierce factor there is really going to hinder what um, works and doesn't work for Pep Hamilton and this offense going forward. But we'll see. Look, my perfect scenario here, I, I just for this weekend, I think it's going to be a game, man. And I want it to be a game. But Justin Reed's kicked field goals this year. And he's really good at it. <laughs> I could see a scenario in which, like, the Texans and Chiefs, like, this game is mucked up just enough by Houston, and maybe they're fortunate enough to create some more turnovers, get another score, maybe via special teams, and they're in it. But the Chiefs drive late. Mahomes doesn't have enough time to punch it in the end zone, and they win on a Justin Reed field goal, 27-24 to or something like that crazy. That would be awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> so you can go ahead and book that. Okay. All right. Inside All right. edge, book that. Aaron, a lot of fun as always, man. We'll uh, chop it up tomorrow morning. See you bright and early at the practice field. See you then. All right, my man. All right. For Aaron Wilson, NFL insider covers the Texans. Obviously does a fantastic job. You won't get anything else that he gives you anywhere. Um, you can check him out at Aaron Wilson underscore NFL. I'm Sean Bajani with Sports Radio 610. Appreciate you joining us tonight. We'll talk to you again next week. Have a good night, everybody. Prom Social Poker Club opens daily at 10 a.m. and doesn't close until the last person leaves. Now, that's 24-7, 365 days a year, so you can always get your poker game on at Prime. Also, daily, free play starting at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. with happy hour from 4 to 9 p.m. They have daily and nightly tournaments with buy-in starting as low as $60 and going as high as $5,000. Now, check this out. Guaranteed prize money as large as $2 million. What are you waiting for? Get in the game. Prime Social Poker Club here locally in Houston, 7801 Westheimer. We've told you about the endless insights at Inside Edge, but let us tell you about the real gold mine. They're five-star picks. And in the 2021 NFL season, Inside Edge went 34-14 and 14 against the spread for a success rate of 70.8. And now you have access to these five-star picks for only $20 per pick or get the deal of the lifetime. Every five-star pick for the entire year for only $149. Even better, our listeners get a discount of 10% on that access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON. This has been the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge.